When you go outside for a nature study, there are so many things you could take with you to help. You see a lot of different options as to, oh, this equipment will help you do this, and this equipment is necessary. It can be very overwhelming and confusing. Wouldn't it be great if we could just talk to somebody who has done nature study for many years and has narrowed it down to say, these are the tools that are most helpful? Well, we're going to do that today. We're going to talk with Karen Smith, who has decades of experience doing nature study, and she's going to tell us her favorite nature study tools. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today, Karen Smith is joining us. Karen, it's good to have you back. We want to talk about nature study tools. And when I think of tools, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I get this mental picture of hauling a trailer full of equipment with you as you try to go down the path. It's like, no, wait, the trailer's in the parking lot. You know, we need to take it back there. <laughs> what is really the best kinds of tools to take with us? Is it just our notebook? Is it, what are your favorite tools? Let's start with the ones that are handy to have but maybe not totally necessary to have with you when you are in the field. So these are some of your favorites, but we can pick and choose if we need to. Yes. Okay, sounds good. So a magnifying glass, a very basic tool. They come in all different sizes and um, powers, magnification powers. Um, choose ones that fit your family. Younger kids, I recommend that you get ones that have larger lenses in them so it's easier for your child to use. There are pocket-sized ones that have multiple lenses that you can stack so you can get you can wow. change your magnification. And what kinds of things would you use that for? I mean, I know it makes something bigger, but give me an example in nature. What would you look use it Maybe for? Maybe your child wants to look at an ant. Mm. That's a good thing that they can magnify. Young kids like to magnify anything because it's <laughs> a, a very new perspective for them That's and it true. makes things more interesting. Um, sometimes just seeing something from a different perspective can help you look at it more carefully. Mm -hmm. Maybe you see, you know, the bug on the flower and you go, oh yeah, it's a bee. But if, have you looked at it with a magnifying glass to see more of the detail on that bee's body? And you could see more closely what it's actually doing yes. there. Yes. So different things like that. Um, they're easy to carry. It's probably something you might want to bring with you every time. Okay. Pocket ones obviously will fit in your pocket, but even the, the larger ones for young children are not that large to carry. Yeah, yeah, and not, not that heavy either. Correct. Yeah, Correct. good. So magnifying glass, okay, yes. what else? Field guides. You always say field guides. I do. <laughs> because field guides are so important. They help us identify things, but they don't just help us to know what we're looking at. They help us to uh, look at it in greater detail because you need to know certain things about what you're trying to identify in order to use the field guide. So you're learning more about it, the thing that you are trying to identify. Just because of the process yes. of trying to find it in the field guide. Um, I like ones that have photographs, Okay. and so as you are looking through those photographs trying to find the thing that you are looking at, trying to identify, you will also see things that are similar to that. And looking through a field guide helps you to determine and think 
more carefully about what makes what I'm looking at different from the other things here. Yeah. What are the similarities? So you're learning along the way. You're gaining knowledge about things that you're not even looking at. Which it sounds like that's an advantage you don't get by using a nature study app. Correct. And field guides will usually, once you identify it, you go to its entry, where all the writing is, and they will usually give you some other general information about that item, too. Its size, its habits, um, when it's, if it's a flower, when it blooms, um, an insect, where they're most prominent, that sort of a thing that you don't get when you just take a picture and identify it. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I know we did a previous episode on your favorite nature, or favorite nature field guides. Mm-hmm. Can you just name a couple of your favorites now? I mean, we'll leave an, a link to that episode, yes. but just whet our appetite here. What are yes. a couple of your favorites? Um, Audubons are, are very good, particularly for people who are just beginning. They're easy to use. Um, and are those only for birds? No, they're for everything. Birds, insects, butterflies, mushrooms, rocks, you name it, they have it. Whole gamut. Okay. Yes. So Audubon. Um, National Wildlife Federation has some that are, that are very nice, and so does Princeton. So those are the ones that I find that I use the most. You may just be beginning, and that may be overwhelming for you to have one of those. That's a full-size field guide. Well, I've heard that you should get your regional ones. Many people do because that's where they are comfortable starting. It's not overwhelming to them. Um, If you start there, I recommend that once you get the hang of using it and you're comfortable with it, move up to a full field guide because plants and insects and birds don't always know what region they're supposed to be in. (laughs) That's true. They cross the boundaries sometimes. And, And... Because those are a more limited field guide, they tend to just have the most common things that are in your area. So you may find something that lives in your area that's not in your field guide because it's not as common. Okay. And made it, you know, made the cut for yeah. the field guide yeah. type thing. So, so I'm, I'm getting a picture now, though, of hauling my five-volume set of field guides out into the field with me. Is that what you do? No, I leave mine at home. You do? <laughs> I do. I use them at home. How does that work? So, things that you can do as, as you're doing drawings, make sure that you note down um, features of whatever you're looking at that will help you to identify it. Like size. Yes. Things you can't capture in a drawing, maybe. Looking in your field guides ahead of time when you're at home, browse through them. There's information mm. in there on each one. Um, what you need to identify things, the different features. Look through those so you're familiar with those. So if you see a bird, you know you're going to look at the color and the size and the beak size and does it have an eye stripe or a a different colored cap on its head and become familiar with the terminology so when you are using your field guide, you know what it's asking for. So when you're in the field, you can take that picture, but not to identify it right then, but you can use that picture for reference later. You can jot down some notes in a, in a notebook or do a nice careful drawing. Depends on what you're looking at. 
Some so, things just don't hold still for you to do a, that's a good drawing. Yeah, well, and it wouldn't hold still for you to leaf through your field guide exactly. in the field. So exactly. you capture it, what it is mm -hmm. in the field, and then when you get home, you can use your field guides check later. your field guide. Nice, yes. nice. Yes. So that's field guides. Okay. You don't have to bring them with you. You never know which one you might need when you're in the field, especially if you're like me and nature studies usually spur of the moment. <laughs> and so you, you're not going to bring your whole library with you. Binoculars can be handy things in the field. Mm. They help you to see things that, you know, are way up in the tops of the trees. My daughter looks at birds that like to hang out in the tops of the trees. My husband used them, uses them to look at mushrooms that are in trees that he can't get to and he doesn't want to go stomping through the undergrowth until he knows he really wants that mushroom. So if he can identify it from a distance, that's a good thing. Sometimes you're in a location where you can't get closer to what you're looking at. So maybe you're on one side of a river and there's something on the other side mm -hmm. you want to see. Mm -hmm. Binoculars are great for that. They're also good for looking at things that you don't want to get too close to, like maybe a wasp nest. That's a good point. <laughs> Now, I know we did an episode on choosing and using binoculars, yes. so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yes, and bringing binoculars in the field with you, obviously, you're going to use them in the field. Yeah. Sometimes I bring mine, sometimes I don't. It just depends on if I want to carry them or not. I have that thing hanging around your neck. Yes, <laughs> but there are harnesses that you can get for at oh. least some of them that instead of the weight on your neck, it's on your shoulders and your back. And it's much more comfortable and oh, nice. makes it easy to use your binoculars in that way. Now, those are a more expensive item. Um, and they come in a range of prices, I'm yes. sure. But I think that would make a good wish list for Christmas gifts for your family. I would think so. A nice pair of binoculars as a, as a family gift would be would be a good thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, your other family members could pool and give it as a gift mm -hmm. to your whole family, and boom, yes. you're done. Yes. I love that idea. Good thing. All right. So binoculars in the field, magnifying glass in the field, field, field guides, guides at, at home. home. What else yes. do we have? Microscopes. Okay. Now I'm picturing <laughs> this big, you know, sensitive, fragile glass microscope, or sorry, magnifying, no, microscope, yeah, microscope, <laughs> I get the two confused, microscope that we used in high school biology, and it's like, carry it carefully, Joey, don't drop it as we cross the bridge, I mean, what, mom? What? yeah, yeah, <laughs> why are we taking a microscope in the, and I'm assuming we're taking it in the field, tell me more about this choice. There are different types of microscopes, I would not take a full-size one in the field. I have one of those at home for looking at things. But in the field, you can take a pocket microscope. It won't be as powerful, but you can still see some microscopic things with it or even use it as a magnifying glass if you have something that you just want to set it on. Magnifying glasses are handheld. Yes. Give you a, a bigger viewing area. So they're great for seeing, you know, insects up close or something like that. Pocket microscopes are good for things that don't run away, that you can set the like microscope right on top of a, a leaf or maybe a flower bud or a rock. Do you have to put them on a little like slide? No, you don't. You just set the microscope right on top of it. So 
if both a magnifying glass and a microscope enlarge the item, you said the magnifying glass is good for things that move mm-hmm. or, or things you need a wider yes. field of vision. Yes. And then the microscope. So you could use that in the field. Yes. For Again, it's you know, a pocket size a specific one. thing. So uh, what kind of magnification do you need on that microscope, though? I can't remember what mine is. I want to say there are ones that go up to a hundred times. Wow! And but they so you can see you can see microscopic things with them that you could not see with the that magnifying you cannot glass. see with the magnifying glass. Yes. But you keep yours at home, except for you. You have your pocket microscope I with you. I have a you, pocket microscope, but, but the, the big full ones size I leave at home. And do you think that's really necessary, or is that just a favorite thing you have, and people can pick and choose? It's not, neither one of them are really necessary, but for some kids, it gets them mm. more interested. Yeah. You know, I can see the surface of it, Mom, but what if I look at it closer? That's the, you know, you never know what's going to hook your child into nature study. And so having some of those tools available can sometimes be the thing that gets your child interested. That's a good point. Um, a pocket one, again, is very easy to take in the field. Full size, leave at home if you want one. Um, they're usually something that you will have if your child does high school biology. But you can always borrow one from a friend or Or put it whatever, on your wish you know. list. But of course, yeah. I have one. Of course you do. You probably have a whole series of them. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Just one, and I do use it, so... Okay, great. Yes. What else? What other tools would you recommend? A camera. We have talked about taking pictures. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So taking pictures of things when you're in the field, not just to identify it right then and there, but so that you can reference that picture later for identification purposes. But you can also have a record of your nature walk outside of your nature journal. Some kids don't like to draw. I mean... It's, we're all different. Yeah. Some, li- some really like to draw and some It's don't. just frustrating and it sours the whole experience. Yes. Give them a camera. Not just to snap a quick picture, but to take pictures from different angles and pictures of different features so that they're still looking closely at it, mm. but then they also have those different pictures to put together as a record of what they saw. And they could add their notes of what they yes. observed mm-hmm. about its habits and yes. where it was and all that. I like that idea. So those items are things we need to purchase, we need to collect, um, maybe over they're, time. And they're not necessarily something that is convenient to take with you for nature study. They right. might be something you have to leave at home. Um, so those, pick and choose what fits your family budget? What fits your children and their interest in nature? You know, don't, go, don't go buy a pair of binoculars or a full-size microscope if nobody's going to use them. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Now, do you have other tools that you would recommend that are not quite so... Um, expensive? I'm not going to say expensive. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, let's not say expensive. Hefty? You wouldn't want to carry yeah, on the field? Not, yes. not quite so in, intimidating, shall we say. Yes, yes. More common household items. Things we might just have laying around that yes. we can grab and go. Yes. A bucket. 
A bucket. A bucket is a great nature study tool. For what? Well, you can carry things in it and you can put things in it to observe. So my kids, I don't know about your children, but every place we went, my kids had to collect rocks. Ah. Buckets are great for carrying those rocks. I'm going to let the kid carry that heavy bucket. Well, of course. <laughs> they're, they're your rocks, kid. You're carrying the They're bucket. the ones who have the most energy. Let them carry That's them. Right. Um, buckets are also great for um, putting things that you would find in water in. So minnows, tadpoles, oh. um, some aquatic insects, that type of a thing. Put a little bit of water in your bucket. Dump them in. You can look at them. Now they're contained yeah. and not, you know, swimming and running all over the Away surface of a, of, a, of a pond or a stream mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. something like that. And so you can contain them. When you're done, just dump them back in. Nice. So great thing for that. Buckets are, are wonderful. To go with a bucket, you might like a net. So oh, you yes. can catch those things that you want to observe. Try and find a more all-purpose net. There are ones that you can get for using in water and ones that you can get for using, um, like in grass and whatever, catch insects. Yes. Um, but if you can find one that can be used for both, that will serve uh -huh. you well for both of them. And there are nets out there that you can do with both. Okay. Just look for one that doesn't have, you know, large holes and has yes. smaller holes, but you can move it through the water. Um, large enough holes that you can move it through the water, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. small enough that things aren't going to get away. Okay, good. Um, so a net is a great thing. It's also lightweight to carry. So yeah, you know, give it to your child. Here, we're going to <laughs> use this net today. <laughs> you can carry it. It's lightweight. A pocket knife. A pocket knife. Yes, there are things that you might want to cut open. There are things that you might. Um, need to use the pocket knife for. It's a handy tool to have with you. So bring a pocket knife. Hmm. Okay, yeah. You might want to cut open a piece of fruit or a seed just to see what's inside. Hmm. Yes, good point. Different things like that. Yes. Plastic containers. Small plastic containers. Clear. Are we talking like zip-top bags? Those can be useful. But you want, but you want something that's hard sided. Oh, okay. So, the um, the not fully disposable. You can use them several times. Plastic food containers, like for leftovers. For leftovers, okay. Maybe they're containers. Maybe they're deli containers. Okay. Something like that would work very well, as long as it's got a lid that fits tightly onto it. You want um, smaller is better because it's easier to use when you're catching those insects. How you can, would, how you can take you the lid that? and the container and in you can come hands. up onto the insect and just, just capture it, between, capture the it two. between them. Most of the time they'll fly right into the container. It's a very useful thing so to So I'm have. assuming the container should be transparent. Yes. But it doesn't matter about the lid, I would think. You can just... No, if you, have, if, you have a, if you have a transparent lid, that'll make it easier for you to look down into the container to mm -hmm. see... Especially if they're crawling on the have. lid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, whatever you can find and use, it does not have to be a clear lid, but the container itself should be transparent. I'm assuming that you shouldn't keep something in there too long because there wouldn't be a lot of air in Correct. there once you put the lid on. Correct. 
So it'd be it's for just a for short observation term. purposes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then release them when you're done looking at them. Okay. So to go with that, jars, canning jars work great. Oh yes. Um, and critter keepers, which just look for critter keepers, you'll find them. Okay. They're there's, actually called there's critter keepers. There's a whole keepers. assortment of things <laughs> out there. Some of them are little containers that have screen on them and a little door so you can put your specimen in. Some of them are um, larger plastic containers with um, vents for air. Oh, wow. And so they come in all different shapes and sizes and configurations. Those are handy if you want to keep something longer than just for in the, observation. Okay. Um, Tell me about the, the canning jar you said. Because canning... Canning jars work? work great because you have that ring that tightens the lid mm-hmm. down. You don't want to use the canning lid. You I've want... often seen it with holes poked in it. Yes, that's dangerous for the insects that you are keeping in there because they oftentimes will crawl up to the top of the jar and cut themselves. Yeah. And that's not good yeah. for them. Okay. So you want to use something that does not leave those sharp, jagged edges. Um, Paper towels can work. You can tighten those down as long as it lets air pass through. That's what you want. Um, You can also buy um, plastic screen that you can cut to the size of the opening for your jar and then just tighten that down with the ring for the canning jar. sure, sure. And so those work very well. I know, because that's what we use. (laughs) (laughs) So those are great if you want to keep something longer term. Like turning a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Yes. You could potentially do yes. that. Okay, yes. got it. Something like that. Then this is this is a great tool. And you don't even have to bring it with you because you can get it when you're there. Oh really? Yes. Okay, what is this? A stick. <laughs> okay, what do you use a stick for? Poking at things, moving things off the trail that you don't want on the trail. Mm-hmm. Um off sorts of things. Maybe there's things that you can't quite reach, but you can with the extension of a stick. You can reach it and bring it closer. Um, Sticks can do a dual purpose as a walking stick if you find the right one. True. And when you are finished with your nature walk, put the stick back where you got it from. Yeah. Multi-purpose. Yes. I'm not going to say disposable, but that's kind of, you know, they come in different shapes and sizes. Find one that you like and and take it with you. That's a great tool. So sticks are wonderful. Now, do you haul all of this stuff with you? I mean, we talked about some things stay at home, mm-hmm. but like you've got your bucket and your containers, and I, I could see, How does this My work jars, practically? Jars and critter keepers, I keep those at home. Okay. But plastic containers or even just those zip-top bags, you can keep several of those in a car very easily pocket knife I always have with me, Um, bucket and net. If you have room in your car just to leave them there all the time, leave them there because then they're always there for you. You don't have to remember to pack them. I can see, well, what we did is had this little waterproof zip bag, like a tote Mm -hmm. bag, and we put nature studies and our nature notebooks in there, and then we had just a couple of field guides we actually took with us. and then some plastic bags. And, okay, I'm going to add to your list. You can tell me if this is necessary. 
a friend of mine would always take a blanket, an mm -hmm. old blanket. That can be a good thing. To just put on the grass, and mm -hmm. you can sit there while you're drawing or whatever. There's also ones that they sell now that um, are cloth on one side, but then waterproof material on the other side, oh, and they nice. fold up. I think they're some sort of a picnic blanket. We have friends that have them. That's beautiful, because sometimes the grass is so wet. Yes. Um, and then the other thing that my friend mentioned was hand wipes. Yes. I thought that was brilliant. Yes. Put that in the bag. Now, we always have those in the car already. Well, that so makes even already, more sense. They're already there <laughs> <laughs> to use. Because you're going to need them for more than just nature studies, so just keep them in the car. Yes. Yeah, good. So, yes, those are good things to add, too. I love all these ideas. Are there any other tools that you want to mention? Yes. There are tools that you always have with you everywhere you go that are the most important to take with you. Do tell. Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your hands for touching things that are safe to touch. Okay. But ears, eyes, and nose, those are the ones that you're going to use the most. You can use those all the time when you're out in nature. They're always with you, and they're the most important nature study tools. It seems like we're used to our eyes. Maybe we don't see everything we should see, though. Sometimes Not always. we There's aren't a always lot observing. Out there to see. But, but we tend to rely on our eyesight a lot in yes. nature study. But I love how you're including ears and nose as yes. well. Learn to. Learn to listen and smell just as much as you look hmm. when you are out in nature because it will help you identify things. It will help you see more things. And it will help you. Um, your nose can tell you all sorts of things, the flowers that are blooming. You, I mean, you can smell those. And they are fragrant when, there's a, when you're out in the field and there's a lot of them blooming. You can smell them. You can distinguish between different ones also. But you can also smell um, the differences in um, the areas that you might walk through. If you're coming upon water, there will be a difference in the smell than if you are walking in um, the woods. So leaf litter, um, pine needles, or even just the pine trees, the scent that they give off. Water, different types of water have different smells. Oh, really? So swamps and creeks and rivers will smell differently. Lakes will smell differently than ponds. And so hmm. if you're using your, your nose to smell, you're going to start distinguishing those things. And sometimes you will know that there's an area coming up that might be a little marshy you might have to walk through before you even get to it so you can be prepared. But that's part of nature studies, using your eyes, your ears, and your nose. And really those are the only essential yes. tools. yes. Everything else, you can if you want to, but those are necessary. Yes. And as you said, they're always with you, so they're very convenient. You don't have to remember to pack them. <laughs> <laughs> Just to use them, that's yes. all. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing your favorite tools. It's been very helpful. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll leave links in the show notes to those other episodes that we mentioned. See you next time.